This is episode eight of the Next Year Now podcast. The number one most important thing when it comes to fitness, when it comes to movement, when it comes to diet is self-love. That's the foundation. Because once we really start loving ourselves, all that other stuff naturally falls into place. Welcome to the Next Year Now podcast with Tom Hefner. Tom believes that if you really want to thrive at work and in life, then every day, purposeful habits and practices are vital. The Next Year Now podcast will not only help you identify and integrate these habits into your daily life, but also bring you key insights and lessons from some of the most successful people in their fields. And here is your host, Tom Hefner. Hello, and welcome to the podcast devoted to helping you thrive at work and in life. The topic of habits and practices is always front and center in our discussion, but we also explore how we use these habits and practices to improve our personal development, productivity, creativity, health and well-being, business and entrepreneurship. Today will probably be one of our most inspirational interviews yet. You and I get to learn from and be inspired by Brandon Collinsworth, a Nike master trainer to some of the world's elite athletes and a successful entrepreneur. His unique take on fitness and training is helping change the way people live their life and pursue success. In our conversation, I'll be asking Brandon about the habits and practices of bouncing back from adversity, the keys to better fitness, how we can succeed as entrepreneurs and in life, and plenty of other key insights and practical lessons. But first, I'd like to give a shout out to a listener who recently gave us a five-star rating and review on iTunes. The reviewer with the username Peace More says the show has wonderful tips to enhance my daily living with great resources, excellent speakers, and real-life advice we all need to live more fulfilling lives. Peace More, thank you so much for your feedback, and we'll continue to work hard to earn those words going forward. Brandon Collinsworth is a world-renowned human performance coach and Nike trainer who has worked with some of the top performers in sports, music, and business. He has an unquenchable desire to help people live better by creating a new global standard for wellness built on the fundamentals of mental, spiritual, and physical unity. He fuels this goal through his entrepreneurial efforts, such as his Real Results Fitness Gym and the Jump for Joy Foundation he started in 2008. He holds a master's degree in positive psychology from the University of Pennsylvania and is currently finishing his book, Finding Your Spaceship, 15 Ways to a Life of Passion, Purpose, and Play. Brandon, it's a real pleasure to have you with us today. Welcome to the show, my friend. Tom, it is an honor. Truly grateful to be on your show, brother. <laughs> too kind, too kind. Uh, Brandon and I have been friends since, since grad school. We both attended the University of Pennsylvania together studying psychology. Over the years, I've watched him passionately chase his dreams, achieve success. I've had an amazing life, brother. But it hasn't always been that way. Brandon, share with us, if you would, uh, maybe some of the hard times, the things that, that most people don't know or, or haven't seen. Yeah, there's a quote that my coach used to always tell me, and it was that everybody, will, nobody will ever see the push-ups. Nobody will ever see behind the scenes. And now where I'm at, traveling 250 days a year, successful gym, many amazing opportunities happening all at once, it's easy sometimes to just think that I landed where I am. What a lot of people don't realize is that where I grew up, the environment that raised me was challenging, to say the least. East side of Vegas, the housing projects, Section 8, welfare, broken dreams, and a group of people that really were not going far in life. And 
for me, for 18 years, that was my world. That was the place that molded me. That was the place that I learned how to survive in. And now that I look back, that was also the place that gave me one of the edges that I have now that a lot of people don't have. But the reality is, is most people don't ever make it out of the streets. You know, they don't, they don't really rise above it all. And for me, the only outlet I had when I was on the streets was reading. I became a voracious reader at about 18. It was a huge epiphany that happened as I was sitting at a bus stop. At that time, I was a high school dropout. I was broke. I was homeless. I was another statistic in the making. And I had to make a decision. I had to make a decision whether I wanted to continue down that road, which would either leave me in jail at a job I hated or probably dead like a lot of my friends or take the road less traveled and see where it would take me. And so 18 years old, I got on that bus and I really have never looked back. And it's been about 14 years since that day. I went from being a high school dropout to graduating from the Ivy League. I went from having no job to becoming a successful entrepreneur. I went from being a taker to becoming a compassionate and diehard humanitarian. I went from, you know, truly almost giving up on life to waking up every morning and not, and, and just can't, and just wanting to truly jump into everything that life has to offer. And so I believe that our struggles are all placed there for a reason. They're all training tools. They're all rites of passage. In positive psychology, we talk a lot about post-traumatic growth. Yeah, where our society talks a lot about post-traumatic stress. And so what I've learned is that all that is placed in front of us, all the cars we are dealt, they all have the seeds of growth within them. Sometimes they hurt. Sometimes it takes time for those seeds to mature. But if we frame them in the right place and we really love them in the right way, it's incredible what we get from them. So my life has really been a testament of being able to take the hard times, take the traumas, take the streets, take the breakdowns, take the setbacks and really use them to catalyze my life forward to help other people. And that's the key is like our gifts are really there to serve and to give away. First, we have to cultivate our own stuff. We have to go through our own challenges. We have to slay our own demons. But once we do that, then it's really about giving them back to other people. And I always say that there's a thin line between superheroes and supervillains. Superheroes use their powers for others. Supervillains use their powers for themselves. And so that's really where I'm landed. That's where I've landed right now. I know the dark. I come from the dark, but I choose light and I passionately choose light. That's my mission right now is to help people tap into their, their power. You know, when I see your life and, you know, we, we know each other, we've known each other since grad school. I am so amazed by, you know, how you kind of took that, that negative experience maybe early on and turned it around. Why is it that some people, when they're in those circumstances, you know, they do turn around, they do thrive. What do you think it was with you? Was it, like you said, you, you kind of made that decision that day, but other people, they don't. Why do you think that is? It all comes down to, do we let fear use us or do we use fear? Victim or victor? Does life happen to us or do we happen to life? There's a great quote that I love. It breaks fear into two different categories. Forget everything and run or face everything and rise. And I feel that when we're in situations, when we're in sticking points, when we're in the darkness, there's always a choice. And that's the beautiful thing. It doesn't matter how bad things are. 
doesn't matter what's going on. We have a choice in the moment. And even if that choice at that moment doesn't seem like it's going to get us anywhere, it always gets us somewhere. And if we can get somewhere, we can get far. Just like Lao Tzu said, a, a, a journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. One positive choice in the right direction, followed by another positive choice in the right direction. Before you know it, everything looks different. And at the same time, one wrong choice or one lack of choice, which still is a choice, in the wrong direction reinforces that truly feeling suffocated by one's circumstances. It's really about making that decision. And when you're the world, when it feels like the world is on top of someone or when it feels like we are suffocated in nothing but, you know, darkness around us, it can be hard to really make the right choice or have hope or see what is next. But I believe that if we really go in and we really tap into our truth and we tap into our heart, there's always a little GPS working and telling us where we need to go. There's a quote that I love by Emerson. He says that there's nothing capricious in nature. The implanting of a desire means that his gratification is in the constitution of the creature that feels it. And for me, what I take that is, is we all have these God winks. We all have these like aha moments. We all have these nudges. And for the majority of people, they just dismiss that as fantastical. Our society is very good at conditioning us to say like, okay, that dream that I had, that goal that I had, that ambition that I've longed for for so long, that right there, that's not real. But the reality is, is those are our signposts. Those are our roadmaps. And as long as we stay true to those, true to our heart, it doesn't matter how thick the storm is. It doesn't matter how dark it gets. It will slowly but surely take us to where we need to go. And then, and then along the journey, also equip us with everything we need to continue the journey, to traverse the challenges, and to eventually make it to a place where we're truly living our purpose. When I think about uh, what you just said about a couple things stood out, the idea about having hope and the idea about overcoming our fears through the years of kind of your resilience, you know, kind of fighting through some of those tough times, w- or what were the practices and habits that you used or you developed to overcome your fear or to cultivate hope? You know, what were those things that you did every day to make sure that you were cultivating a more hopeful attitude or trying to overcome your fears? Well, I had three. The, the first one, and it started really young, was learning to master my physical space. I've been a trainer for 14 years now, and a lot of people ask me, why did I become a trainer or how did I become a trainer? Was it because I wanted to get into the fitness world? Did I want to have a six pack? Did I want to be ripped? And no, it was actually because that was my coping mechanism. That's one of the ways that I coped with the streets, the hardships of poverty. And what I learned with mastering my physical was that if you can master the burn of a workout, it carries over and it parallels life. If you can master pushing through the uncomfortableness of running at your hardest or hitting as many push-ups as you can or just going at it in the gym, life brings that same burn to you. And so that was my training ground. And as I was slowly climbing through out of poverty and into my purpose, the burns that I experienced through all the years of working out showed up in many forms in life. And since I've already taken myself there mentally many times 
through every workout that I've done, it carried over into life and allowed me to really push through and know that no burn always lasts forever. It's not the first eight or nine reps that get you strong. It's the ones that do burn 10, 11, 12, etc. And just like our muscles grow when we work out, our spirit grows through challenges in life. So it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful parallel, a beautiful metaphor for life. Uh, just, just learning exercise and making that one of my habits at a young age. So one of the reasons I think this is a good segue, you know, one of the reasons why I created this show was to help us thrive in life. And, and one area where I struggle at at times, and I, and I know others struggle is in fitness and nutrition. You know, life is busy for us. We have jobs, we have kids, we have houses to clean, keep up. You know, we have we all have a lot going on. And so I think we need the best advice and knowledge. And, and for Brandon, I think he's just that. But Brandon, help us out here. What are the most important insights we need to know about fitness and nutrition? I, I have an unorthodox style when it comes to fitness and nutrition. A lot of guys will say it's all diet. Um, a lot of guys will say it's train this way, do CrossFit, do yoga, do obstacle course racing. The number one most important thing when it comes to fitness, when it comes to movement, when it comes to diet is self-love. That's the foundation. Because once we really start loving ourselves, all that other stuff naturally falls into place. When we start giving ourselves the attention we need, when we start giving ourselves that self-care that we deserve, everything else will naturally arrange itself right as it's supposed to be. When it comes to exercise, once again, our bodies are resilient. Life is dynamic, so we should train for it. And what does that mean? Only doing one thing, staying one-dimensional, prevents us from truly growing. It's really about tapping into all those neurosynapses. It's really about fully expressing ourselves, just like kids. Kids, your, your, your children, I'm sure when they were explorers, correct? Yeah, no, no doubt. My, my oldest son is the most curious kid I know, uh, followed maybe by his little exactly. brother. Exactly. <laughs> and, and kids, they're exploring new ranges of motions. They're, in fact, fascinated with their fingers. They, pull their arms in ways they've never pulled it. They crawl, they roll, they jump, they climb, they spin, they play. And we become adults and we become limited to 15, 20 movement patterns. And then slowly our bodies start to decay. Slowly we start to create imbalances. And then those imbalances leads to injuries. And those injuries lead to being static. And being static leads to chronic disease and chronic illness. And so the key is self-love. And then for the physical expression, play, play, get out and move and do things that really not only challenge you to stretch beyond your current paradigm, but also takes you into a different place mentally. In neuroscience, when we experience new things, when we move in a completely different way, the brain grows as well. So it goes hand in hand. And I would say that expressive movement is just as important to well-being as things such as gratitude and family and feeling a sense of purpose. When you say expressive movement, uh, say more about that. What, what does that mean? Meaning movement without limitations. Movement outside of the box. Movement in a way that 
you may have never moved before or movement with purpose or intention behind it. Most trainers, most exercise physiologists, they'll say, go to the gym, do this, do that, do this many sets, do this many reps. And that's training for a very limited, specific box. And once again, life is dynamic, so train for it. I challenge my clients to get outside the box as much as they can. So however you can express yourself, do that. Switch it up. Training maybe one day is great, but throw in some rock climbing. Throw in some type of play, maybe some sport that used to be your favorite sport in high school. Get out and walk, run, jump, crawl. That's what the body thrives for. That's 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 truly physical nutrition for the body is novelty of movement. What do you think the one thing is that's preventing us from doing that, right? I mean, you talk about we all used to play. We all used to have that innate explorer in us. Why is it that we don't do those things? Why don't we pursue a more expressive movement? I believe that our society is really good at making us sedentary. We sit down at our computers, we drive our cars, and we slowly devolve into very static creatures. And life is asking us to evolve and continuously evolve. And so I think it's our culture. You go to a lot of other countries, you don't see as many as you don't see as many obese people as the United States in general. People are out moving, people are out walking, people are out interacting. But at the same time, it's a conscious decision that we have to make for ourselves to really go out and play. It's innate in us. It's innately hardwired in us to do that. But we pile on the responsibility, the, the responsibilities and the demands that society says we're supposed to be doing when we're an adult. And we lose that. So the key is really to reignite that. Find what your flow is. Find what, find what inspires you. Find what makes you say yes. Whatever movement that is or movement or series of movements that is and start doing it on a regular basis. When we do find that, right, we find that motivation. From your experience as a trainer, what, what's the best piece of advice that you have to help us to maintain our, our motivation? Every day, studying the goal to do the best you can do for yourself. So many people are caught up on the external and caught up in whether it's societal success or pleasing others that they sometimes forget about themselves. And the reality is, is that if the body is a vessel for us to bring our full expression, we have to take care of it. We have to nourish it. And the beautiful thing is, is once people feel what real health and vitality is like, there really is no going back. It's like a, it's like a dog that's always eating dog food, but then you throw a steak down. If you throw a steak down next to dog food, after that dog has tasted steak, it's really hard going back. But to get to that place with our fitness where we are healthy, it takes some breakthroughs. It takes some perseverance. It's challenging. It takes recreating new habits and showing up on a regular basis. So for those who are really trying to get in shape and maintain that, the most important thing is start. And every day, do something. Create a time, carve out a time, make it a ritual. And I like to say, get a 1% win today. 1% better every day. Might not feel like much over a week, but over the course of a year, 
it's 365% better. A lot of people in the diet world and the fitness world, they get caught up in this, this idea that I'm going to go really hard. I'm going to lose all this weight and I'm going to go on a crazy diet and here I go. And that's never sustainable. That never works. There is no perfect diet. Mark my words. There is no perfect diet and there is no perfect workout. But if you have self-love and you show up every day and you move with purpose and you surround yourself with a group of people who are also rowing in the same direction, it's absolutely incredible where you can take your mind, body and spirit in a very short amount of time. I think that's really important that, la- I mean, it's all important, but I, I really took notice of that last piece of surrounding yourself with people that row in the same direction. There's a really interesting study, I don't know if you remember it from our grad school days by Fowler and Christakis, where they talk about how habits and social yeah. network effect, right? And how things propagate through and how obesity propagates through and how heart disease propagates through a social network. And And you always hear that adage, you're the average of your five closest friends. And I think that is really important. And now that you highlighted it, it kind of reminded me, oh, yeah, I need to do a better job uh, in, in picking the people that I surround myself with when it comes to exercise and things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. I, I put people in three categories, nooses, anchors, and lifelines. It's kind of harsh, but it works for me. Um, nooses are people that just energetically strangle you out. Anchors are people that weigh you down or weigh me down. And lifelines are people that build us up. And I try to surround myself with lifelines. And when it comes to health and wellness as well, if you have people that are going to continuously challenge you to be better, to elevate mind, body, and spirit, and who are also trying their best, it's 99% guarantee that you're going to probably end up improving as well. Well said. I want to pivot here. One of the coolest things you need to know about Brandon is that he's kind of a modern day renaissance man. Not only has he been successful as as a world-class trainer and fitness expert, but he's also an extraordinarily successful entrepreneur. Brandon, let's talk about some of your entrepreneurial endeavors. All right. Absolutely. Well, I have Real Results. Real Results is my gym. It's my chain of gyms in Las Vegas. We're about to open up our third one. It's a pop-up grunge grind gym in the plaza hotel in downtown las vegas but the heartbeat of real results is our downtown warehouse we took a tortilla storage um this was about 2010 we had no investors we were broke but we had soul and we opened this place up with no equipment it was tom it was it was it was really ghetto bro it was like a it was like a rocky meat locker but we had we had soul and culture and it it's grown you know it's now grown to it's outgrown me and it's just been a beautiful thing of how many people have been touched but it's also been a launching point for me to jump into the next phase of entrepreneurial endeavors and my life as well it's really interesting and there's a quote by Jay-Z that I love. He says, difficult t- takes a day, impossible takes a week. I feel that when people, just like muscles, I feel like the like pushing towards our purpose, pushing towards our dreams and goals, it follows the same suit. Once we do it a few times, we become better at it. We learn the formula and we're able to replicate it again. And so for me, I really learned that the soul and vibration as a centerpiece or a nucleus to anything we do, if that's there, 
it will probably be successful. So Real Results has been the launching point for Warrior Retreats. This is my Peruvian rite of passage company where I take people into Peru to tap into adventure, health, wellness, and most importantly, giving back. We take them to the hospitals where they work with terminally ill kids and learn what it means to be a true humanitarian. And that's been incredible to, and it's been an honor for me to be able to take people to Peru in that context and give people the opportunity to really step in to their power, step out of you know, the matrix, step out of the chaos of society and step into a place where they can look at themselves objectively and really say, all right, what do I want out of life? And so it's been an honor. We're going on our third one with that in June will be our third retreat. We have 25 people going down to the jungles and to the Andes of Peru. And um, I'm partnering with a couple really big time yogis. So it's mind, body, spirit, elevated through adventure, through workouts, all kinds of stuff. And then my, my, my writing career is slowly but surely coming together. You mentioned earlier my book, Finding Your Spaceship. That was, I was motivated to write that. When I was sitting at that bus stop at, uh, you know, 14 years ago, there was a song by Kanye West called Spaceship. It was on his first album, College Dropout. This is before Kanye, you know, went off the wagon and mm -hmm. became <laughs> crazy Kanye. This was back when he was like literally rapping out of wires in his mouth and broke with no money because he knew he had to like bring this passion to the world. In Spaceship, he says, you know, that basically he's been working this grave shift and he just wants to buy a spaceship and fly. And so it really got me thinking about the concept of spaceship and what it takes for a spaceship to get off the ground. It takes a team of people. It takes perfect mathematics and things diagrammed to the exact specification or the thing's not going to work. It takes these astronauts training thousands of hours. It takes beating the outside odds, environmental pressures, rotational axis of the Earth. Uh, atmospheric heat where the, the frame of the spaceship starts just being eaten away. And it goes through all this craziness as it's lifting out off the ground and into space. And while it's lifting up off, it's relegated to a certain law of physics. But then when it breaks off into space, it operates under a whole different law of of ability. It's able to, when Mach 3 on Earth was once its limit, now Mach 20 is now possible. And I feel like our, how we become successful, our pursuit of purpose follows the same trajectory as a spaceship. We have to get light. How do you get light? You forgive, you shed, you have to have a team around you. How do you, your tribe is going to really either elevate you or pull you down. You have to have vision you have to be able to see ahead of you. You have to have faith. You have to have purpose. You have to have your values in, in, intact. That's the frame of the spaceship. That's the frame of our lives. When our values are there, you know, back to Penn, Benjamin Franklin, the thing that stood out for me more than anything was that he was a man of values. When we have our values intact, we're indestructible. And then what are our goals? But not just goals for goals, goals rooted in well-being. So goals are really like the machinery, the working parts of the spaceship, goals. And, and I set goals in eight areas, community, financial, relationships, spiritual, educational, 
business fun and adventure. And those right there, I think, really create a very healthy balance of well-being, work and play. And then last but not least, rituals. What are we doing on an everyday basis? And rituals are really like the fuel to our vehicle. And so the spaceship book really taps in to all those elements that I believe it takes to catapult our lives in hyperdrive to the next level in a space of self-love and well-being. Can you talk about some of those, maybe not all of them, but just a few of the rituals that have really helped you be successful as an entrepreneur? Gratitude. Gratitude is the most important thing. Going back to our man, Dr. Martin C. Levin, God bless him. He is the man. Gratitude. Gratitude is the gateway to abundance and gratitude for it all. Not gratitude just for the things that are easy and pretty, but gratitude for the tough times. When we tap into that place of gratitude, we tap into a different frequency. We allow for a different possibility to appear for us. And we open up the doors for an alternative reality. On this, in the same sense, if we tap into a place of fear, place of shame, a place of guilt, a place of not having enough, a whole different reality kind of manifests itself in that space. So gratitude every single day, gratitude for the good times, gratitude for my family, but also gratitude for all of the challenges. And that right there has been a constant with me. And it's easy. It takes it, it, it takes no time whatsoever. I also have a gratitude journal uh, and practice gratitude every day. For me, that's I wake up in the morning and one of the first things I do is I get my journal out and I write three things that I'm grateful for. You know, for me, I, I end up saying, you know, what's a relationship that I'm grateful for? What's an opportunity that I have ahead of me that day that I'm grateful for? What is uh, something I'm grateful for from the previous day? And then I usually kind of wrap it up with a, um, what's, it could be just something small, you know, it, it, it was a sunny, you know, nice weather day and I'm, I'm grateful for that. What does that look like for you? I mean, is that something you're, you're doing while you're exercising is, are you, are you journaling? Um, so I call it priming. And what I do is as soon as I open my eyes, I like lay flat on my back and I start to really visualize who I want to become. And I want to feel it. I feel the vibration through me. And in that space, that's when I bring to life, first and foremost, what I'm grateful for. And it's not the same every day. It could be family. It could be opportunity that's popping up that day. It could be gratitude for who I'm becoming. It could also be gratitude for the past and everything I've been through. And and so for me, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's it's always evolving. It's an evolving gratitude process, but it's always a constant at the same time. It's it's. It's what charges me. And then from there, I start to invoke, invoke, meaning invoke the energy and vibrations I want to be like. And so my my proclaimed big brothers are Muhammad Ali and Bruce Lee. Those are the guys that I like really look up to their what they stood for, what they represented, their philosophy of life. And so I, tr- I really tap into that vibration. I try I try to tap into the teachings that I've read of them or their, their frame and, and how they would carry themselves. I give it up to God. I'm a spiritual dude. And, and then I visualize for a few minutes, the obtainment of my highest self. I see it, me speaking to the masses, me sharing my gift, me touching people's lives. And 
seal it off with the with the thank you. And that right there, that 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 moment, those five to ten minutes every morning really put me in the right space to and create the energy for me to go about the day in a way that is purposeful, but also in alignment with where I want to go. That's awesome. When we think about your entrepreneurial uh, efforts, you know, I, I, you have so much stuff going on and entrepreneurship is scary. There's risk. People fail at it. I mean, with all the things you were sharing, I'm like, man, like I'm getting scared, right? Like, how do you, how did you decide to take that plunge? Right. Right. How did you say, you know what? Like, I'm going to, I'm going to do something different, right? I'm not going to go and work the kind of standard nine to five. I'm going to, I'm going to start my own my own businesses or my own business. And and that started with the real results fitness gym. Uh, why, and how did you, how did you decide to take that? Well, I realized at a young age that I was never going to be, um, accepted in the workforce. I got fired from like four gyms, Tom, (laughs) before (laughs) I'm not going (laughs) to even lie. Like I just, I marched to my own drumbeat and in a world of type a and type B that, the, the, the hybrid of that is not necessarily understood. So I had really no choice but to be an entrepreneur. Also, at a young age, I had to learn how to make money. And so I would sell things like stickers or mow lawns or sell candy door to door just to make just to get what I wanted when I was a kid. So the entrepreneurial seed was planned early. But in my 20s, I really had a lot of failures with entrepreneur. I've had a gym before real results that didn't last. I lost it. It was heartbreaking. And even in the current situation I am in with real results, for me to pretend like there are not challenges every day when you grow a company, um, you know, it was two of us. Now I have 40 plus employees and minority partners and everything. The challenges are insane. But I think what the biggest motivational force for me is that I am in complete control. Meaning, if I'm going to fail, it's going to be on me. And if I'm going to succeed, it's going to be on me. And there's a freedom in that. The freedom to fail on, on my own, by my own choice, and the freedom to fly by my own willpower is intoxicating. And I think the allure of what, why I love being an entrepreneur. There are some times where I'm like, man, I would love to be off at five o'clock and just go home and you know, watch Game of Thrones and hang out with you know my girl and just chill. Instead, it's 11 p.m. at night and I'm like, you know, things are piled up and I literally am falling asleep in my computer. I don't know if entrepreneur being an entrepreneur is for everybody, but for those that are pushing towards it millions of people have been successful at it and there are millions it's the most one of the most studied pursuits ever and there are many ways to be successful at it so i would just you know it's about really surrounding yourself once again with the right team knowing your strengths delegating your weaknesses and leading with the heart and if you have all those three and it still doesn't work then it's it's just not going to work but that formula maybe entrepreneurship isn't for you <laughs> yeah, at that point <laughs> right but but if uh but if you but with those three firing in unison um it's pretty amazing what a person can accomplish i always say that you know it's not about cash or it's not about currency it's about connection it's about culture it's about compassion 
people just want to be seen and we always are going to be rewarded directly on the blessings we bestow on others. And so I believe that to be fully true. And I believe that's the fundamental part of entrepreneurship is that if you really can touch people's hearts, you will be a successful business. Nice. Let's pivot towards, uh, before we wrap up here, uh, a habit or practice that I know you love uh, and I know that I love, which is reading. And so think about the books you've enjoyed over the years. What would you say are the two or three titles that immediately come to mind as having had the biggest impact on you? And that could be, you know, related to fitness and, and nutrition, or that can just be, you know, overall well-being or just, hey, you know what? This is just a book I found to be a really awesome book. The book that I've given out more than any other book is The Alchemist by Paolo Coelho. Oh, I love yeah, that book. It's so well written. Every time I read it, there's morsels of beautiful knowledge and it's and it's an easy read that really touches deeply into the soul of this pursuit that we're all on. And I believe that from kids all the way to people who are very old, it doesn't matter the age, that book right there has something to offer anybody. So that book is definitely my go-to, number one. Uh, Number two is Oh, the Places You Will Go by Dr. Seuss. That book right there, Dr. Seuss was a positive psychologist and didn't even realize it through rhymes. But that book right there, just if you take the the silliness out of it, it really is a beautiful metaphor for the pursuit of life. You're going to go through those hard times, you're going to go through those ups and downs, but inevitably, as long as you stay true to you, is true to your truth, it'll all work out. A little more of a of a hardcore read, but one of the most, you know, successful books of all time is Napoleon Hill's Think Think and Grow Rich. Back a hundred years ago for a guy like that to put something together that was what he put together, it was incredible. And there's so many timeless uh, gems in there that really are there to not only help us master the external, but inevitably the internal, because if the internal is right, the external will fall into place. And the last one that has really made an impact on my life is The Narrative of a Slave by Frederick Douglass. Frederick Mm. Douglass, a lot of people don't realize that he was a slave um, who didn't know how to read. He was taught to read by one of the slave master's wives. And in the, the acquisition of that skill, he then found out he was a slave. They didn't know they were slaves at that time. And it's this beautiful story about how he went through the the, the stages of being ignorant all the way to being enlightened. But he was still imprisoned in a system where he couldn't really express or he wasn't truly free. But through education and through reading, he was able to eventually buy his way out of slavery and become one of the leading advocates for African-American rights back in the 1800s to a point where he was the first black man, from my knowledge, to ever be invited to the White House to sit next to Abraham Lincoln and talk about the state of humanity at, at that time in America. And it just proves that no matter how down and out we are, knowledge is the gateway to it all. That's the ultimate source of freedom. And if a guy can go from being an ignorant slave all the way to one of the most prominent positions in the world before there was social media and we had access to all that knowledge, all the knowledge we do now, 
we too, no matter how imprisoned we feel, can find a way out if we're willing to do the work and go in and grow from the inner to the outer. Love that recommendation. Final question, bud. What's next for you? What are you working on now that you're excited about either by yourself or with your team? What's, what's getting you uh, up in the morning? Two things. Really going full force in the speaking circuit. I'm loving it. It took me a while. I used to be a scared public speaker. And little by little, I've just been working over the last few years and I'm, I'm really diving full force into that. I'm speaking to a lot of local high schools, speaking for different businesses out here, just on, on the notion of tapping into their purpose and embracing the warrior within. And so along with the warrior retreats, and I have this thing called the I Am Warrior Project. And my goal is to create a new warrior's code for the modern human. I feel that if you take it back to tribes, when you became of age as a man or a woman, a whole tribe gathered around you and you were taught values. You were taught what it meant to be a part of this community. You were taught how to go forth and fulfill your purpose. You were taught that the courage mattered and you were given all these beautiful tools. And I feel like in our society, a lot of us are left to fend for ourselves. And that's why there's so many people that feel so lost. So my goal is to create this new code that is that pulls indigenous wisdom and new age wisdom together and offer that to the world as a new platform to embrace the warrior within and truly create tribe, community, and, uh, and, and the tools for one to step full force into their power. So it's going to be called I Am Warrior, a new warrior's code for the modern human. Brother, that's all I got. I just want to say thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This has been an amazing interview. Thank you so much. In the words of yoga, they say namaste, but I like to say nama superhero because the super the superhero in me reflects the superhero in you, bro. <laughs> I love that. Love that. You can connect with Brandon online through a variety of ways. His Twitter handle is at Coach Brandon and via his website at realresultsfitness.com. That's realresultsfitness.com. All the links and resources Brandon and I discuss can be found at the page created just for this episode. You'll find it all at nextyearnowpodcast.com slash 008. And finally, just a reminder, if you like the show and enjoy learning from our guests each week, please consider giving us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps us stay relevant and findable by listeners just like you. And hey, if you give it a five-star rating and review, I'll be sure to mention you by name in an upcoming episode as a small way to say thanks. That's it for today. I'll see you next time.